the origin of demons. The Lord told me years ago, he said, if you don't know how your enemy's working, you'll never have the victory over your enemy. Because we're, we engage in him all day long and we don't even realize it through thoughts. So I'm going to go quickly through the origin of demons because it just talks about Satan, how he got established. But what I really want to teach on is the open doors and entrance for demons. What open doors in our minds right here gives these demonic influences access? This is going to give you great information to, to know if it's there, how to resist it if it comes. And we know that demonic forces are attracted to emotions. They are not attracted to your intellect. They are not attracted to your will. They are attracted to your emotions. They want to bypass these two. Because Satan worked through Eve's emotions, right, to get to Adam, so Adam would fall. So the origin of demons, as we grow in the Lord, we must understand the enemy, the devil, the devil and his demons, their origin, how they behave, and how and the way their organization operates. They are very organized, very strategic. If you give them any ground, they're going to start getting a strategic uh, uh, circumstance in place so they can gain more ground through circumstance. The origin of Satan, he was, the Bible says he was created perfect. His name was Lucifer in heaven. He was created perfect in all his ways. It also says he was an angel of protection and anointed. He also says he was full of wisdom and beauty. Can you imagine having all that and wanting to take God's place? In heaven, and that's what he wanted to do. He got lifted up because of his beauty, and and the Lord had to remove him from heaven. You can write these couple of scriptures down and look them up later. <clears throat> Ezekiel twenty-eight twelve, which will back up just what I explained there in those three. Ezekiel twenty-eight twelve, and Isaiah fourteen twelve through seventeen. Isaiah fourteen twelve through seventeen. Satan and his fall. Number one, he rebelled against God. That's how he fell. So when we rebel against God, we're falling away from something that is good. Because God is good. He's always trying to get something good into our life. So when we rebel, the enemy causes us to rebel and choose to disobey the word or the hearing of God. Then we're falling away from something that God was trying to get to us. Second thing is he exalted himself because he was beautiful. Satan exalted himself because he is beautiful. Pride. And he filled himself with iniquity through his commerce. He had 30,000 angels that disobeyed with him. And the 30,000 angels were cast down to the earth as well when Satan fell. And number four, he defiled the sanctuary and deceived, there it is, one-third of the angels, not 30,000, one-third of the angels went with Satan. So his his deception was already working. Can you imagine being in heaven? You'd think there was no deception in heaven. But the Bible says it's there. And we every creation has a will, has a choice to choose God. God set it up that way because 
He wanted us to choose him, to love on him. This God is looking for us to love on him. He wants somebody to love on him. He created a family so the family could love on him. So when you worship him and praise him, you're saying, I love you, and he comes where you are, right? And you feel his love. You feel his embrace. So as the consequence for his sin, he was thrown out of heaven, and his final destination is the lake of fire. So hell was not made for us. Hell was made for Satan. And when Jesus comes back, it says uh, he'll throw Satan into hell for 1,000 years. 1,000 years. There's going to be perfect peace on the earth because Jesus will be ruling and reigning in Israel and Jerusalem over there with a new city and new government. For 1,000 years, it's going to be perfect peace. And then he's going to let Satan back out of the pit and put him back on the earth to test the hearts of the saints. This God wants us to choose him continually because he's so zealous to bless and do good things for us. That's on his heart constantly is to do something good for us and to bless so that we can have an intimate relationship with him. Between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, the earth was without form and void. But when God creates something, he does it perfectly. So it tells you it was already there. And then when Satan was cast down, everything fell apart because death hit the place. Because God never creates anything that is void of substance. Satan's name, everybody's name means something. Satan means adversary. That's what his name means, adversary. He's God's rival and wants to establish his own kingdom on the earth. The second one is devil. His name means devil, which means slander in the Greek. So if you've got anybody slandering you, then you know it's a demonic influence speaking through the person that's slandering you. So devil is another name for Satan which means slander, one that makes others stumble. He initiates malicious and false reports in order to hurt other people. Serpent is another name for Satan, which means his deceptive mortal venom. Deceptive mortal venom. What is that venom? His spirit. His spirit. Isaiah talked about it, and uh, he said uh, a... a uh, a, a viper uh, is under the tongue, and when the tongue's release, all kind of serpents come out. So when you have somebody yelling and screaming at you and all this kind of stuff, it's not, it's not God's spirit. He wouldn't do that. It's a demonic influence passing through the person out of their ignorance. Another name for him is uh, the great dragon, which means a destructive beast great dragon, a destructive beast. Next one would be the malignant one, which means wicked and corrupt. M-A-L-I-G-N-A-N-T. Malignant, yeah. Malignant one, which means wicked and corrupt. Destructive one is another name for him. And he's called Satan's calling is to destroy. Everything that looks like God, everything that's trying to get established by God, he's come to destroy. 
Another name for him in the Bible is a liar and murderer. And those are the names that, that the Bible addresses. Adversary, devil, serpent, great dragon, m- malignant, destructive, a liar and murderer. So the enemy and his position. The Bible says he is the prince of this world. That means he governs this world through a corrupt system dominated by men and women who are separated from God. There is a corrupt system, and it's called the Babylonian system. And he is the god of the Babylonian system. That system is, op- operates through money, and, and money is the god of that system. Then it's, it notes in there, as prince of the power of the air. That means his area of operation is the atmosphere around us. He's in the atmosphere. So in the atmosphere, there is life and peace, and there is sin and death in the atmosphere. And our words connect us to what's in that atmosphere. So the prince of the power of the air, his area of operation is the atmosphere around us, which is called the second heaven. See the second heaven here on this poster? This is his atmosphere. God's atmosphere just above it. They don't mix. And then man's atmosphere is right here. When you see the clouds out there, that's, that's man. God created that for man. The demons are fallen angels. Those are the ones that fell with him. Description of demons. You might want to write these few scriptures down. Luke 4, 33 and 34. And Luke 8, 30. Demons have personalities. You'll find it in those two scriptures. They have names, emotions, will, and they can speak. They are spirits. They're called unclean spirits and they're evil. Look right down Mark 9, 17 through 25 and look it up there. Mark 9, 17 through 25. They cause oppression. Levels of demonic control. Here's how they work. They oppress the mind. So that they can depress the mind. So that they can obsess the mind. So that they can possess the mind. That's their goal. They want complete control over the mind. Why, why, why is the enemy so busy with the mind? Because what? The soul has to what? Produce these kingdoms. If, if, they, if, they, if we didn't have a voice, they couldn't do anything. Because every kingdom is really voice activated. Right? There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So that's why the enemy needs this possessed with darkness and rebellion against God. Because when we speak something negative or not out of love, we're not speaking out of the Spirit of God. And if we keep doing it and keep doing it, it'll start growing and growing and growing. It'll get worse and worse and worse. And uh, that's how he's establishing his kingdom. Oppression, depression, obsession, and possession. They have a strategy. And demonic possession, you'll see that in Mark 5, 1 through 20. The Lord really wants, wants everybody to know your enemy, because you didn't have an enemy before you got saved. Because you were in that kingdom, the Bible says. 
So when you got saved, Jesus said, now you have inherited an adversary. It's always going to be against you. Always going to be against you. But God works all that together for your good. And you eventually overcome it. So a demonic possession, this person will manifest a personality totally different than their own. Levels of spiritual warfare. Write these three levels down and then we're going to go into this this teaching today on open doors. Levels of spiritual warfare. One, earthly and personal level. Earthly and personal level. This is a level that... that um, you can, you can uh, get rid of the spirit that's giving you the wrong influence of thinking just through um, discipline, disciplining thoughts, not receiving the wrong thoughts. And, and then sometimes they have to be cast out by the power of God. So that's one level of warfare. Two, there's territorial and strategic levels. This is, this is work, work by man, through man, to give the enemy power to reign over countries. You see a country that's got, like, like Haiti, say, a real poverty level. I mean, a real poverty level. God didn't call anybody to poverty. He came to redeem poverty. poverty. So that tells you there's a territorial spirit operating in a second heaven over that region, over that area. And if the church was mature enough... It says that the church, uh, Jesus said that the church would make known its power to the principalities and powers. Well, the church is still a baby, and a baby can't make known any kind of power, any kind of authority. So we're in this season now, and God's seasons could last 10 years, it could last a year, it could last 20 years. But we're in the season now where God is maturing His church by giving you information like these visions, know what is holding me back from, from maturing in God instead of staying an infant all the time. And when the pure church rises up, you can go to Haiti and go in there and speak and those things will leave and Haiti begin to prosper. But in the meantime, God will always send missionaries and people down there to serve the people and help them while they're in their suffering. So, so that territorial strategic level is to reign over countries, cities, ethnic groups, churches, and families. You'll have a, like we talked about today, the, the prosperity. Uh, that it, It's totally off course. When something's off course and the limelight is, is not on Jesus, because he's got to be the center of everything, then you know there's a territorial spirit working in that church and over that church. So that's how easy and deceiving God wants to bless us. But every time God blesses us, Satan is right beside of it. Trying to get us off course with that blessing. We got to stay focused on the one who blessed us. And not on the blessing that he gave us. Philosophical level. This is where false beliefs that divide and hinder the growth of the church. <clears throat> like the prosperity uh, gospel that a lot of them have out there, that's going to hinder the growth of the church because the focus is wrong. The prosperity is good because God says you will prosper as one of the 
anointing. But you can't, you got to keep God in it all the time, all the time. He's got to be the first focus. And listen, if you'll keep him in it, he will keep you humble. He will keep you humble. He'll keep you way down here and keep him out front. So we want to hide behind Jesus all the time. Stay behind him all the time. Okay, now, I just want to give you a little bit of origin on Satan, where he came from, where these spirits are. Now we're going to get into open doors and entrance for demons. See these doors on the soul? Your Your soul has actually four doors, and you see them there. Demons enter through these doors. Through these doors. They enter through the door. <clears throat> if you could picture this, this function, these three functions, intellect, will, and affections, were full of light. And this one was kind of dark and shady. It tells you that the spirit and the word has not occupied that function yet. So the enemy is going to be attracted to that darkness that's in there. Okay? Well, how do I know I've got darkness in there? By what words comes out of your mouth? What do you say? Is it negative? Is it bringing people down? You know, is it cursing? Is it all these kind of things? That's how you know that area has not been, not been redeemed yet. Jesus said you are redeemed, but you got to apply that redemption. Christians say, well, I'm redeemed. I don't have to worry about all this. Well, you'll never have no victory over your life. When I say victory over demonic forces that hold you back from being more like Jesus, growing up in Him. So that's the area that the demonic spirits are attracted to is the emotions. And listen, they have to be given legal right to enter. And legal right to enter is through words. And they're all, if God would let you just see right now what's in this atmosphere, if he lifted up the veil right now, you'd be shocked what's in the atmosphere. There's, there's light angels, there's dark angels, and all of them are, are waiting for you to open up your mouth. And that's going to give them legal right to establish the very thing that they put in your thought. That's why Apostle Paul said what? To bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. What was the obedience of Jesus Christ? To do the Father's will. He was sent on a mission to do the Father's will. What was the Father's will? To reconcile us back to Him. That was His assignment. To reconcile us back to Him and feel that love from the Father. Demons choose the weakest moment and place to invade the soul. So when you're at your weakest moment and the emotions are high and you're either depressed, you're crying, you're fearful, you're anxious, that is a weak moment. And that's what these demonic forces that are in the atmosphere, they are attracted to that person. They're going to go just like this. They're going to come to you. And they're going to start tapping on your mind with a thought and get you to say something. And as soon as you say it, they go right through that door. So d- demons choose your weakest moment. So if you got your weakness, weakest moment, what I used to do, I'd, I'd put my headphones on. If I didn't have headphones, I'd say hallelujah. Just start singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because what does hallelujah do? It does what? Yeah. 
It's the only one word that's the same in every language. And God set it up that way. If people would just say hallelujah, it says it bruises the devil's head every time you say it. So you picture him in a boxing match and everybody around the world saying hallelujah 24 hours a day. What it's doing to the devil. It's the only word that will bruise him. So I'll sing hallelujah or worship God. Um, I'll sing praises to your name, God, like this, praises to your name. I'll plead the blood of Jesus. I'll speak the name of Jesus. Those are the things you want to say when those thoughts are coming. And when you're at your weakest moment, and you might not think it's doing any good, but you are sowing to the Spirit, and you will reap life and peace back. It'll come right back to you. So it cuts the enemy off. So Ephesians 4.27. I want somebody to... to, uh, uh, write these down. Actually, I want somebody to read these scriptures. So, somebody take Ephesians 4.27. All right, who's going to take that one? Okay, uh, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And we can get through some of these scriptures. Now, you're going to get some real good education here in, in this stuff here. Somebody take Deuteronomy 28.41. Uh, Deuteronomy 28.41. All right, go ahead and read Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So you can give place to the devil, is what the Apostle Paul is saying here through the Holy Spirit. You can be angry, but it says sin not in your anger. If your anger is, is, is bringing somebody down, because... You're yelling at them, screaming at them. Um, it's all about me. It's I. I want I want my way. Um, this is an anger that gives the enemy a place in your soul. Comes right through that door. So he said, uh, "Be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your anger." That means do not go to bed until you got it right with that person. Because the whole time you're asleep and the devil's busy. He's busy. Okay? So that's a scriptural backup that they, you can give the enemy a place in your soul, in your mind. So let's look at some open doors, okay? This is how the enemy gets in these open doors. Number one. Number one. <clears throat> generational curses. Generational curses are familiar spirits bring curses that are transmitted from generation to generation. They are conveyed like an inheritance to the next generation. So you can hear some people say, well, uh, my mom was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. Exodus 34, 6, 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, bounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third 
and the fourth generation. See what that's saying? God is visiting the iniquity of the person. So when God is about to visit or has visited, these emotions come up. Anger comes up. Fear comes up. All these things start coming to the surface. So now you're experiencing the enemy's personality because that is not your personality. So when God is visiting the iniquity that's passed down through the bloodline, anger comes out. And that's how you know God is near because the light brought it to manifest. If I turn the lights out in this room, everything's dark. You wouldn't know what was in this room. But I turn the lights on, you see everything, right? That's the way it is with God. He is light. So when he begins to let that light go to another level in you, something is going to manifest. And we don't want to yield to the manifestation. Right? Because if you yield to it, you're coming into agreement with something God does not want you to come into agreement with. He wants you to submit to him and resist that. And the Bible says that'll flee. It'll go. Just that simple. All right. uh, The mental and I'm still on number one. Mental and emotional illnesses. These are some of the, this is how you know a generational curse is in operation. This is what I want you to know. If a generational curse is in operation. Mental and emotional illness. That means depression, confusion, and frustration. Are you constantly being depressed? Are you constantly confused? Are constantly frustrated over and over again? This is that generational curse working through the blood. Because everything's in the blood. Everything's in the blood. Every, every spirit is in the blood. So that's, that's how you know it's working. And some people say, for example, like I said earlier, my, mo- my mom was always depressed. My father was always running around. Well, they're speaking the curse. They're talking about the curse. That's just the way they were. That's the way his granddaddy was. That's how you know. The curse is an operation. Exodus right there backs it up. And God is really visiting now his church so that he can remove these generational curses that we are born into. Innocent babies are born into these curses because it's coming through the blood. Right out of the womb, born with being an adulteress or a thief. Thank God, that's what, that's what, thank God for Jesus Christ, he breaks these curses. But look at how much damage Adam did. Every baby that's born is born into sin. Isn't that sad? So why are we here? The church of Jesus Christ. To bring the kingdom of God on the earth and reverse everything back to God. Everything's being reversed back to God. Righteousness back to God. Peace, joy back to God. You're on a mission. We're on a mission. So uh, chronic illnesses. This is another way that you know that there's a generational curse in operation. Chronic illnesses. All types of diseases like cancer, Diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma, arthritis, any of these things that, um, like on my mom's side of the family, they have high blood pressure, they have heart attacks. 
my dad's side of the family, they have uh, adultery and cancer going on. So, and when they get married, <laughs> now <laughs> you got adultery, cancer, high blood pressure, and diabetes. <laughs> All working in this one person. So you see why, you know, people get a mess when they get in their 20s, 30s, 40 years old and all this stuff is happening. They don't understand why it's happening. That's how you know. I hear my mom talk about her, her, her brother died at 55 years old with a heart attack. So what's she saying? She's going to die at a heart attack. Don't come into agreement with it. Don't even speak it. See, when you speak it, you're coming to agreement with it unbeknowingly. You're strengthening the curse. Because Jesus said life and death are in the power of your words. All right, family dis, disintegration. Disintegration. Family, this includes divorce, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, infertility, drug addiction, and alcoholism. And that's a Deuteronomy. Who's got Deuteronomy 28:41? Deuteronomy 28:41. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours. Or they shall go into captivity. There you go. So that's the curse in operation. People abort children. People do the, these kind of things. That is a curse in operation passed down from the bloodline. So that's a family disintegration, disintegration. Includes divorce, adultery, fornication, homosexuality. And listen. This is not you. This has been passed down to you like an inheritance. And, and we're going to show you how to get the victory over it. Number, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to put A, B, C. That was C, right? Family. A, B, C is family. D is poverty. Deuteronomy 28, 17 through 29. You don't have to read that because it's a long chapter. But study it out. Deuteronomy 28, 17 through 29. Some people never seem able to prosper economically living in continuous poverty. This is a sign of generational curse and operation. That's a sign that you just can't seem to get ahead before something happens that takes what you have that you were getting ahead with. How many have been there? I've I was there every 10 times. I felt like I was getting ahead. Something would happen and rob all of my savings. Everything I had just left. That's the curse in operation. And it's amazing how it, you feel like you're almost there and you're getting comfortable. And then phew, that's the curse in operation. Okay. Now we're going to go to number two. Entrance for demons. Number two. Intentional sin. We sin against God by omission or commission. Write those down. By omission or commission. This is intentional sin. <clears throat> this is when we know we are doing it. <laughs> intentional sin through omission or by commission. Sin by omission is when we are not aware of the sin. That means we're ignorant to it. We don't know it's a sin. Like when I, before I was born again, I was doing everything that is what people call sin. I didn't know what sin was. 
And that's why there was grace. Because Jesus said there's great grace where there's ignorance. And that's how people get saved. It's through that grace, that saving grace. All right, sin by commission is when we willfully sin. That we know it's wrong. And we do it trying to satisfy our flesh. That's sin by commission. Every voluntary sin, there is a demon that oppresses you, right? There's a demon in operation for every voluntary sin. There's an oppressor. He's oppressing me to have sex with somebody. He's oppressing me to do this or do that to satisfy my flesh. And once my flesh is satisfied, it's only going to be for a season. I'm going to have to satisfy it again, right? It just keeps... The flesh is never satisfied. It's never satisfied until it's crucified by the Word of God and the Spirit and the Word take its place. For every voluntary sin, there is a demon that oppresses. Regularly committing the same sin opens doors to unclean spirits by giving them legal rights. Now listen. When unclean spirits come in, the devil, the devil's kingdom is to what? Kill, steal, and destroy is what Jesus said. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to what? Give life and life more abundantly. That means life eternally and abundant life here on the earth. So to get that kind of life abundantly on the earth, you won't get it through things. You get it through relationship with him. And grow up to be like him. And then he adds everything you need that's going to bring you into a place of contentment. For example, anger. Anger is an emotion. And somebody turn to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 while I read this. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Anger is an emotion and the world tells us not to give way to it. Anger is an emotion and the Oh, the word, the word tells us not to give way to it. So when anger rises up in the in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it says when anger rises up, springing forth, it's canceling out grace. So grace was there because you've been exercising what? Faith. So faith and grace have to work together. Faith. The spirit of faith helps you to believe God and to believe the word. And as you're believing the word and believing God, the spirit of faith in the unseen, you don't know this is happening. It's moving you into a position. Okay, it's putting you in a place. And then grace begins to hook up. And Satan comes with a thought and get somebody to say something to you that triggers your anger. And grace just stopped right there and could not connect with you. And grace was supposed to establish the very thing that was going to make you whole. You see how this enemy intercepts with a thought. He's only busy because God's busy. Okay, so three, number three doors that get demons into the soul trauma or strong emotional experiences example 
a little girl who was abused by a mother <clears throat> abused by a mother or a man when she was about 10 years old when she becomes an adult so this little girl was abused by a man or a woman but when she becomes an adult she becomes a lesbian or a homosexuality so she wanted to be with other women even though she knew it was wrong it is a compulsive act that she could not control why because the demon got access through the trauma at a little girl's age the demons hate innocence they hate innocence they set up these circumstances to get in there and that innocence and put that seed in there and it grows up with the person and they'll start being bent towards that kind of love and that uh perversion so the abuse open door that influenced that life was a spirit of lesbianism it's called a spirit of lesbianism sex becomes uncontrollable or compulsive under this curse uncontrollable or compulsive somebody read 1 John 3:8 he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil there it is so he who sinned was the devil from the very beginning so if he's causing you to sin he's the one that's got the power to cause you to sin but jesus was manifested to what to destroy the works of the devil so everything's available to us to get the victory it takes here in the right word and what obeying the word and you might fail in some of that obedience and that's when the enemy says oh, you just can't get this right you might as well stay where you are but jesus said a righteous man falls seven times but the lord picks him back up shake it off before the enemy gets a foothold to shake it off it's not you you're just associated with this personality that's been there for a long time. So in deliverance ministry we should ask, I always ask this person. When I'm going into a deliverance session, I always ask the person, how was your relationship with your parents? And that nails it every time. Every time. Tells you where the problems at. How the enemy got in there. with that seed and grew up with it. Number 4. Number 4. Open doors that allow demonic spirits to come into the soul. The occult, witchcraft, false religions. All these are forms of idolatry. So any of these things will, will allow spirits to Exodus 23 through 5. You don't have to read that. Just read it in your study time. Exodus 23 through 5 the occult witchcraft and false religions okay number 5 this is how the 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 demonic gets in rejection rejection many many parents show favoritism to certain children and it allows the enemy to come in to the other children by not feeling as loved as the one that's favored and this happens happens all the time um 
Negative words can cause rejection even in the mother's womb. Mothers that hate their unborn child, that child hears it. You hear it all the time. Rejection, broken homes where there is fighting, jealousy, bitter parents, parents with no time for their children. Look at James 3.16. James 3.16. Uh, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Listen, if, if there is bickering and fighting between in a home, that scripture says every evil is present. Every evil is present trying to destroy that family. And that's why families fall apart because they don't know why this is happening to me. These generational curses just having a ball in a family because God loves family. That's where he sets up his throne is in the unity of love in a family. Number six, how they get in. And somebody read 1 Timothy 5.22. This is what you got to be real careful of too. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sin. Keep thyself pure. Yeah. So make sure you know who's praying for you. Some people, there's been witches and stuff like that that's in the marketplace, and they'll just, they'll just rub you or something like that and say, excuse me. That's what that's for. There's a transmission trying to take place. Because, listen, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the enemy is transferred through eyes, mouth, and hands. So when you come up, if you're in a church and everybody's going to the altar, you better know what that kind of minister, what he is into, because... His character ain't always what he's looking like up here in this pulpit. You better find out. You better talk to his wife. (laughs) You better talk to his kids and see how this man is living. Because whatever is in him, when you lay hands, it's transferring over to them. So keep that in mind. Uh, Don't let, like that verse says, don't let hands be laid on you. What? Hastily, hastily, hastily like this and partake of other men's sin because it's getting transferred the laying on of hands when a person lays hands on another the law of contact and transmission comes into operation so write that down listen all y'all are going to be ministers so you got to minister this stuff out everybody's ministers in the body of Christ so the law of contact and transmission is taking place every time somebody puts their hand on you and begins to open their mouth. Make sure the person walks in integrity and holiness. That's how you know. Make sure that person is walking in integrity and holiness. If you want to keep God in your life, and your business, whatever you're doing, keep integrity there. And He'll be there. Number seven, idle words. This is how demonic gets in to the mind is through idle words what's an idle word I'm always sick that's an idle word you'll always be sick you know me make sure that you're always sick my children are stupid 
I'm just jotting down some things I hear people say. You'll never amount to anything. These are what the Bible calls idle words that invite the demonic into the mind. You'll never amount to anything. Thank God for my dad. He never talked to us like that. What he always told us, you can do anything. You can do anything you put your mind to, he said. And I still remember those words today. Don't tell me you can't do anything. What he always said, don't tell me you can't do nothing. I want to die. These are idle words. Who put that thought in you? The demonic oppression. The enemy has thoughts, God has thoughts. And we live by thoughts. We act on thoughts, we engage on, engage on thoughts, we speak thoughts, and then we walk thoughts out. That's all we do all the day long. So you can write this scripture down, look it up later. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 for idle words. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Number eight, soul ties. Soul ties. This is a big one right here. Soul ties. This is wrong relationships. This is our soul ties. I was in a wrong relationship. And how you know you're in a wrong relationship? Like a roller coaster ride. Whew, it's fun way up here. And see, more fun going down. But it's up and down. That's what I'm trying to get at. Up and down. Up and down. Wrong relation. Adulterous relationships. Fornication, fraudulent businesses. These are how soul ties get developed. And you're so dependent on that person to get you emotionally happy. <laughs> right? You're so dependent on that person to get you emotionally happy. But if the peace of God was there, you wouldn't need that emotional happiness. You'd be peaceful all the time. Your soul would be satisfied. You would need people to make you happy. Because <laughs> God has already taken his rightful place in you. And you're content with him. Now, you'll be safe with people. And the fruit of a soul tie is manipulation and control. Manipulation and control. That's how you know that a soul tie is developed between two people. And it's not out of the spirit. It's out of the head. So called a soul tie. And the fruit of it is manipulation and control. Number nine. Books, videos, and music. Watch. Remember, there's seven gates. What are the seven gates that the enemy uses to get into your head? Two eyes, two nostrils, two ears, and a mouth, right? What you want to guard first is what you see and what you hear. Because God moves in sound the devil moves in sound that's why you have hard rock when I was 16 years old I would listen to uh, an album called Demons and Wizards that was my favorite album black light smoking and listening to Demons and Wizards I was a mess so guard your eyes guard what you're watching on TV guard what you're uh, lusting after guard what you're hearing because these are gates for the enemy. And the last one is 
how he gets in there is mental control, hypnotizing, and psychic powers. Okay, leave with this solution. Live a pure life. The enemy cannot gain access. How do you live a pure life? Try to live by the Word of God, what it teaches you to do. It says to be kind, be kind. It says to be gentle to someone, be gentle to someone. It says to love someone, then love someone. It says to be faithful to someone, then be faithful to someone. In your business, in your marriage, be faithful. And this is how God works to get us on the right track and keep us in his character to keep us on the right track. You can't stay on the path of life without his character. Everybody wants the path of life, the path of life, the path of life, the abundant life, the abundant life, but we'll never get there without a godly character because he will not anoint nothing but his character. And that's what keeps you there in that blessed life.